Thank you for being a part of our church service today. It is our desire at Riverstone Church that God's Word will work in you to produce an abundant field life. To know more about the ministry or to support, visit riverstonechurch.net. May the Lord bless you today as you listen to this message. Amen, amen. Again, thank you so much to everyone who participated. I know some people could not, maybe you couldn't be here for whatever reason, uh, and and you were praying at your home maybe, or uh, praying with us along online, and I just appreciate that. We tried to keep it going uh, as much as uh, we could on uh, the internet so that you could participate and pray uh, with us. But I will say there were some very holy moments. Sometimes it may have just been two or three uh, people here. Other times it may have been uh, a larger group of people interceding and praying, but uh, there was a constant uh, flow of people in and out, which was just uh, beautiful. It was just beautiful to see God's uh, grace. Uh, I was able to stay uh, later, a little later the first night, but did not stay through the morning. And uh, I, I feel like I missed out uh, both the first night and last night, but I couldn't keep my eyes open. <laughs> But there were those who continued to pray through the night, and I understand that it was just a powerful moment uh, in those night hours of being with the Lord and enjoying His presence, and uh, I'm grateful for that. You know, you see that in the Bible. Uh, Often Jesus uh, went away to pray uh, during the nighttime. Uh, We see others praying during the night hour or something about that. Uh, I don't want to make a theological declaration on it, but uh, there is a time where you press, 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 and then there is even that breakthrough in uh, in prayer, and I'm just grateful. It's also comforting, uh, you know, comforting to know that there were people here at the church, even uh, maybe when I wasn't able to be here or others of us weren't able to be here, that there was somebody here praying and seeking Jesus. It was comforting to me to know that somebody is here praying. Somebody here is interceding in our city. And uh, as Brother Chris, uh, one of the sessions that he was praying on, he prayed, Lord, you know, let us, uh, let, a, let a prayer house raise up here, but let prayer houses raise up all over our city. Let there be 25, 30, 40 prayer houses all over our city that are going 24-7 that are just nonstop. And I think, you know, um, God, is able to, God is able to do that. He's able to create an atmosphere in which, um, uh, you know, people just, just run to his, his presence. Uh, I shared last night. We will get to the text here in just a minute, but I shared last night as as I was praying, I, I'm not going to uh, declare that this was a vision from the Lord, but I do think the Lord put something in my heart, and I, I would ask you to help intercede and pray with me. Uh, our Spanish fellowship that meets here on Tuesday nights uh, around uh, 6.30, wonderful group of people uh, who, are, who are just seeking the Lord. And as I was uh, praying yesterday afternoon, seeking the Lord, Lord just kind of uh, drops in my heart uh, a, a picture of that fellowship and just multiple people in our community who Spanish is their first language, just coming and worshiping God and exalting Him in uh, this church. And that those of us who don't know 
was Spanish or English as our first language, we would think, well, maybe we wouldn't go to that because we wouldn't understand, but we would even be drawn to be there with them because God's presence was there, God's power was there, and we just wouldn't want to miss out on what God was doing. So we would come and be part, and it just was, was an image that God gave of, of these people lifting up the name of Jesus in, in Spanish, and, and those, those of the rest of us kind of coming in because we want to be in God's presence with them and labor with them. Would that not be just beautiful? That as we maybe maybe worship at this time, if they if they worship a little uh, later in the afternoon, that we won't want to go home because we know God's presence is going to be here in the afternoon as they're fellowshipping and exalting the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. God's glory and God's grace. We want to see God's God's presence, God's mercy. I want to share with you here in just a few moments out of Colossians chapter 3, uh, verses uh, 1 through uh, 17. Uh, and uh, we'll, we'll read that together in uh, just a, a few moments. Uh, I may have shared with you uh, several months ago uh, just a little illustration where I grew up on the eastern shore of Maryland, probably about four or five miles from where I uh, grew up, was the birthplace of uh, Harriet Tubman. Many of you know kind of her story as the conductor of the Underground Railroad, kind of going into the south and taking slaves uh, to freedom initially, kind of up in the uh, northern uh, U.S. states, but then ultimately actually going all the way up into uh, Canada uh, and uh, taking uh, freed slaves up into uh, into Canada. And so uh, she, uh, several, uh, many, many people that she was able to lead back and forth at peril of her own life from uh, the bondage of slavery up into uh, freedom, kind of going undercover at night, going into safe houses and other things. Uh, she took people along a way. Uh, oftentimes they didn't know the direction. They didn't know how to get to freedom. And so she would go down in the South and begin to get some uh, people together and take them on the pathway uh, to freedom. And, and understanding as well that some of these who were, uh, who were slaves were actually born into slavery. So they had, had never tasted freedom before, didn't really even know the idea of freedom. And so she was having to take people from a place that was uh, familiar and, and while, while difficult and uh, a place that maybe they didn't enjoy being in, but it was it was familiar, and sometimes familiarity is better than the unknown. And so she was moving them from a place of familiarity uh, and having to even in some ways teach them what this concept or idea is of moving up into uh, freedom, having what it means to be real freedom. And I think there's some parallels there with you and I as uh, believers in the Lord Jesus Christ that sometimes uh, we find ourselves at a place, maybe even not fully knowing what it means to live in freedom, not understanding, not having a concept. The Bible says we're born in iniquity and sin. And so kind of that's sort of our first language. And when Jesus comes and, and sets us free, there are certain promises that he gives us from his word that we actually have to appropriate and live in. And sometimes it's a journey for us to get to freedom. It's a movement 
from the place of bondage to uh, the place of, of freedom. And there's many areas in Scripture that speak about that. And I think uh, Colossians here in chapter 3 the Apostle Paul speaks uh, to us uh, about uh, freedom and I think gives us some points about how uh, to get there. So I'm going to read Colossians chapter 3, uh, beginning at verse 1. Most of what Paul is writing here is to combat uh, false uh, teaching in Colossians. Uh, one of the main uh uh, false teachings was that Jesus was not really God. And so when you read through particularly Colossians 1 and you get up around verse 12 and 13, uh, you really see some of the most uh, loftiest language of the exaltation of who Jesus is. Um, reading through that uh, chapter 1, I mean, every verse in the Bible ought to be your favorite. When someone asks, you know, your favorite verse of the Bible, all of them should be your favorite. Uh, but this uh, chapter 1 in Colossians, you you know, that, that, that speaks because it just exalts the glory of uh, the risen Jesus. It's just such a powerful, powerful uh, passage of, of Scripture. And Paul works into uh, Colossians chapter 3. I'm going to ask you to stand with me just as we honor the reading of the word of the Lord. Uh, together in the text for the message uh, this morning, beginning at verse 1. Paul says, therefore, if you have been raised up with Christ, and if you are a believer, if you have come to know Jesus as your Savior, keep seeking the things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on the things above, not on the things that are on earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, is revealed, then you also will be revealed with him in glory." Therefore, consider the members of your earthly body as dead to immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and greed, which amounts to idolatry. For it is because of these things that the wrath of God will come upon the sons of disobedience, and in them you also once walked when you were living in them. But now you also put them all aside, anger, wrath, malice, slander, and abusive speech from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, since you laid aside the old self with its evil practices. Again, Paul writing this letter here to uh, those who were believers in Christ. Verse 10, And I put on the new self who is being renewed to a true knowledge according to the image of the one who created him, a renewal in which there is no distinction between Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian and Scythian, slave and free man, but Christ is all and in all. So as you have been chosen of God, holy and beloved, put on a heart of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness and patience, bearing with one another and forgiving each other. Whoever has a complaint against anyone, just as the Lord forgave you, so also should you. Verse 14, beyond all these things, put on love, which is the perfect bond of unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ richly dwell within you with all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with thankfulness in your hearts. Whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. And Lord, we pray 
that there would be blessings added uh, to the public reading of the Word of God. Give us ears to hear uh, what the Spirit would speak to us today. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Lord bless you as you're seated. First Corinthians 15 and 34 tells us in that passage simply to stop sinning. Stop sinning. Uh, Paul writing that, Paul writing this uh, epistle as uh, well. Uh, there is a requirement for God's people to live in holiness. Uh, in, in culture and society today, we, all, we see what, what maybe some of us would call the more uh, liberal uh, churches, often kind of mainline churches. Uh, we kind of look at that and it seems to want to placate people to say, okay, you can uh, live in sin, you can continue in sin, still be in re right relationship with Jesus. In fact, there's many who say, well, your sin is okay. It's okay for you to uh, kind of live in this. Jesus loves you. Jesus cares. Jesus doesn't care about what you're doing. He just cares that you kind of have this heart after him uh, to pursue him. And you kind of get lulled into the sense that uh, the morality of the believer is not really of consequence. Our desire for right living is not really of any consequence in our relationship with Jesus. And then you kind of can swing the pendulum all the way in the other direction and you can find yourself into, into legalism where I have to do all of these things in a certain way in order uh, to, to please God. Any, any little slip and God is ready to smite me. God is ready to come after me. God has, uh, I don't have a pencil with me, but God up in heaven in the Lamb's book of life, he has a pencil with an eraser. And every time I sin, he's erasing. And then I repent and he writes my name back in. And then he erases when I sin and he writes my name back in. And he erases again and he writes my name back in. And that's uh, the, the essence of legalism. I have to do all of these things in order to please God. Or the other side of it is, I said this prayer, I'm okay with God, I'll live how I want. That's often how, what heresy is. Heresy is the pendulum all the way on this side or the pendulum all the way on this side. But there's an idea and a concept where God has called us through the power of his spirit to be in fellowship with him. And in fellowship with him, there is a sanctifying work that takes place that in some mysterious way in which I cannot explain to you, God uses us and, and our will in conjunction with the power of his spirit to bring sanctification in our lives that we can faithfully walk before him. So, so we ought to kind of, uh, what Paul says, sort of gird up your loins, sort of be focused towards living holy with our minds and our intent and our will, knowing that we cannot fully accomplish that without a move and power of the Spirit within us to help us be released from the bondage of sin. So it's this uniting in some ways of the human will which becomes sanctified by God's grace and the power of God which delivers us, whether it is through uh, acts of immorality, whether it's through thinking in uh, the mind, whatever that may be, it is this mysterious uh, 
power of God. We give all praise to God for the glory of sanctification. Everything that, that we are able to set behind us in this life is of glory to God. But we also play a role because God in his sovereignty has given us a will to want to desire holiness. To want to desire righteousness. The challenge comes when we say we're in Christ and yet we're okay living in our iniquity and sin. We're okay living in a way in which Scripture says that we ought not live. So Paul begins in chapter 3 and verse 1. He says, keep seeking things above. Set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth. Uh, what, you know, we, we live in a natural materialistic world. We're, we're born into this world, and particularly a, a Western scientific mindset says if you can't touch it and feel it and see it, it's not real. If you, don't, if you can't put your hands on it, then it doesn't really exist. And so our interaction and engagement with the spirit realm actually becomes a little foreign to us. You'll say, I don't believe in any of that. And so I only believe in what I can touch and feel and what I can kind of work through by the scientific method. And yet the Bible tells us there truly is this idea of things above or spiritual things and things below, things on the earth, material things. An idea in which we have to kind of reckon with these things. And so what happens when you proclaim Jesus is Lord of my life and you believe in your heart, confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, there is a spiritual transaction that takes place. The spirit man is now renewed in Christ, yet you're still in this physical body. There's a, a, a spiritual miracle that happens. And so we can think about the coming of someone to Jesus Christ. We, we pray, God, show us a miracle. God, let us see a miracle. Well, someone coming to Jesus is a miracle. It is a, a, a transference of the spirit man from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light. And yet we still live in this physical body that has desires that sometimes come into conflict with what the spirit man wants to do. Paul talks about this in, in Romans, and he, and he talks about this wretched man that I am. The picture uh, uh, of this, who, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? One of the uh, uh, customs uh, in, uh, um, uh, in uh, Roman uh, law or um, punishment was that if, if you unjustly murdered someone or, or if you killed someone, that they would actually take the dead body and attach it to your body. So your punishment was to actually bear the body of the individual on your body. Now, now imagine what that is like. Think about what that would be like as a dead body is attached to your body. Number one, the weight of the body, the burden of bearing the body, but number two, the second aspect of that, as that body decays, the decaying body begins to infect the living flesh in your body. And the result was the living body would ultimately perish as well. 
So many people think that's, that's kind of the concept that Paul is referring to when he says in Romans, who's going to deliver me from the body of this death? Who's going to deliver me? I can't deliver myself from the burden of bearing this dead body. Who's going to deliver me? And it says, praise God, through Christ Jesus, there is that deliverance. Set our mind on things above, Paul says in Colossians, not on the things of earth. 1 Corinthians 2 and 14 says, A natural man does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, and he cannot understand them because they are spiritually discerned. So there are some things that have to be spiritually discerned that can't be discerned through the natural man. They are foolish to the natural man. You go to a secular psychologist, a secular counselor, someone in the secular field, they're going to give you ideas that come from the natural man. They won't understand the spiritual man because they cannot understand it because that's exactly what Scripture says is foolishness to them. It's foolishness to them. I don't, I don't ever recommend someone going to a secular psychologist or a secular counselor. Uh, I don't even want to go to a secular doctor, medical doctor. I want someone who says Jesus is Lord to help me, who understands that there's more than just this physical body at work, that there's some spiritual things that are happening. I asked a doctor who attended here, I said, can you share with me some Christian doctors in Charlottesville? He gave me two. Our minds must be set on things above or we are more able to clearly identify those rocks that are over there in our life, setting our mind on things above. As believers, we live in this natural world, and we have to continually lift our mind up into the things above, what God is doing in the spiritual realm. Verse 5 says, So first, keep seeking things above. Secondly, consider the members of your earthly body as dead to sin. Verse 5, you are dead to sin. I often hear uh, people say, I'm just, I'm just a sinner. I'm just a sinner. No, you are a redeemed child of God. You are a redeemed child of God. We are already redeemed. The Bible speaks as though we have already inherited the promises of God. If I were to come to you and say today, hey, are you saved? And you are saved, you would say, yes, I am saved. Well, what you're actually saying is, I'm going to be saved in a future time when the wrath of God is poured out upon the earth. You are claiming it in the right now, but the appropriation of it, there are some spiritual benefits, but the appropriation of what salvation actually means, saved from the wrath of God that is going to be poured out upon unrighteousness, the actual appropriation is yet to come. So you're making a declaration statement that says, I am saved because God's promises are yes and amen. And when the day of judgment comes, I will be saved out of that judgment by the declaration of God's word that says I will be with him in the heavenly places. That's what being saved means. Yes, saved from my sin, saved from my iniquity, saved from my previous desires, but ultimately saved from God's wrath that will be poured out on unrepentant humanity. You are sanctified. You are saved. 
Yet there's a fullness that is yet to come. We, we declare them in the here and now. But yet there's a fullness of appropriation that will come later. So let's not speak over ourselves the previous manner of life. I am saved. I am sanctified. I am set free. I have been redeemed by the blood of my Lord Jesus Christ. I have turned away from the former things. I am setting my mind on the things above, not on the things in the earth. Consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to Christ in God, Romans 6 and 11. So when a when someone who claims that they are a believer in Jesus Christ, if you are a believer, maybe this is uh, controversial. I don't think it ought to be controversial. But if you're a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ and you sin, I don't believe it's no, it is no longer out of the necessity of your nature. Your nature has been renewed, but it's because you have willfully submitted yourself to sin's dominion. We've allowed ourselves to sin. Your nature has been transformed by the gospel. Galatians 5 and 1. But often we submit ourselves to sin because of what I said earlier, stinking thinking, deception, bondage, or what is often besetting sin. We believe a lie instead of the truth. We live down here in the earth instead of setting our mind on things above. So I was actually going to ask someone to help me with an illustration, but I don't want to do it because I'm going to, I'm going to speak some things that I don't want to speak over uh, anyone. I don't want anybody to have any struggle with it, but we're going to pretend, uh, let's pretend that this is, is a person, okay? There we go. <laughs> let's pretend that this is, is a person, Let's think of, you know, what's going, what can go on in a person's mind. If, uh, if, if we've got thinking that says you're a failure, you are never going to amount to anything. You are always going to struggle with this, and there is no freedom for you. You see all these other people, God loves them more than God loves you because you've messed up so much. You've done so much your difficulty, your life, everything else has been messed up. Thank you. Oh, no, 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 no. I'm not doing that, brother. Yeah. You know, no, I can't do that. Uh, but what do you begin to do when you hear those things? You begin to believe it, don't you? And so here's the next thing. Here's the next things that happen. You take the mirror, you take the mirror and you begin to look in the mirror and when you look in the mirror, you see those things, failure, stupid, whatever. We begin to see those things. Maybe some of you never struggle with that. You think if I do that, I'm going to be foolish. I'm not going to do that. So you look in this mirror of your life and you begin to think in such a way that is 
earthly thinking. And so this is what the enemy wants. This is Because this is the most miserable place to be. You have to understand that, right? That if you're a believer in Christ and you read, there's freedom in Christ, there's freedom from bondage, there is, there's freedom from this thinking. God has set me free. I read the Bible and then I open up and I look in the mirror and I look at myself and I, as soon as I look, I think, you idiot, failure, weak. I think there's no hope. No hope, right? Over and over and over again. But I can't imagine that that's where God wants us to live. I can't imagine that that is where the Lord Jesus Christ wants us to live in a place where we believe the promises of God, but we never feel like they're appropriated to us. I will, um, we'll, we'll dive more into this uh, next week as we come together, but I don't want to leave you without hope. Um, this morning, I don't. I don't want to leave you without the hope of God's word, and I. Um, I want to. Want to read some things? I'm going to ask you if you got some paper and you can write it down, pen and paper. Uh, we'll send it out on email this week. Um, I'll add to it. We'll send it out. <clears throat> but as I mentioned, um, as I mentioned early on, there's this there's this move of the Spirit which we are. We're, ex- we're experiencing, you know, experiencing God's spirit move, but we have to respond as well. We have to respond into that. So it's this, and we, when we prayed about Riverstone Church, we prayed about this, this church even coming into existence. One of the things that uh, we, we, we prayed about, that, that the church would be uh, stand on the authority of God's word, the faithful preaching and teaching of God's word, and also that we would be open and move according to the spirit, that, that these two pillars would be together uh, in this local church. And that also uh, is, is the way that we must live our life. We rely on the power of the Holy Spirit, but you and I also have a responsibility. Sometimes, you know, we're struggling with some of these things. We have to put ourselves or take ourselves out of places where things are spoken over us or said to us or where temptations come. We have to take ourselves out of those places and set some boundaries. And so there's a responsibility on our part too while the Holy Spirit is at work uh, within us. But I want to give you uh, several scriptures here that as the enemy uh, seeks to uh, attack or maybe the enemy seeks to uh, put thoughts that you can begin to read and understand who you are in Christ. And I want to say this one illustration for you um, um, just, just before I read. If you think this doesn't impact everybody, the way that we think and our perceptions and uh, the difficulty and challenge of living in a world in which, uh, which we, are, we are already redeemed but not yet fully there and that, that struggle that happens. One of my <clears throat> mother's very good friends uh, was, the, was the pastor's wife of the church where uh, she attended. And uh, this, this pastor's wife was a beautiful, uh, wonderful uh, uh, woman who was kind-hearted, uh, loving, gracious, um, and uh, was just a servant's heart. Uh, I knew her as well. And somehow, in some way, uh, 
she succumbed uh, to, I guess, the thinking of uh, the enemy and went in her bedroom and took a shotgun and took her life. A pastor's wife. So if we think that it doesn't happen within the church or it doesn't happen to people who proclaim and love Jesus, we think that there isn't some sense of uh, succumbing to some thinking that comes along and some thoughts and perceptions. And if we think that it can't be deadly, we're wrong. We're deceiving ourselves. And so what we have to do is get to a place where we're able to help one another. We're not going to leave anybody behind. You know, when I think, brother, I'm thankful that you stepped forward I'm thankful because what happened in that moment is exactly what should happen. But the enemy says things to us like people are going to think that or say this or do that or the other. But that's not, did you see what happened? Someone was willing to say, I'm hurting. And people were saying, we're there with you. We're praying, we're interceding, we're engaging. The enemy seeks a lie to you. I want to give you some scriptures. John 1 and 12, I am God's child. I'm going to read through these fairly quickly, but I will, I will email them out. If you're not on our email list, get a visitor's card and write it down. We'll put you in this week. <clears throat> uh, I am God's child, John 1 and 12. I belong to God, 1 Corinthians 6 and 20. I have been justified, Romans 5, 1. I am Christ's friend, John 15, 15. Jesus said, I have called you friend. When you stumble, when you fall, when you falter, he's not up in heaven rolling his eyes at you. Saying, you idiot, you've done it again. God is not up in heaven doing that. God is saying, by his grace, come back to me. I am your friend. I am your friend. I'm a citizen of heaven, Philippians 3 and 20. I am chosen before the creation of the world, Hallelujah. Ephesians 1 and 4 and 1 and 11. I am holy and blameless, Ephesians 1 and 4. I am adopted as his child, Ephesians 1 and 5. I am victorious, 1 Corinthians 15 and 57. I am born again. Woo. 1 Peter 1 and 23. I am a new creation. 2 Corinthians 5 and 17. I am delivered. Colossians 1 and 13. I am set free. Romans 8 and 2 and John 8 and 32. I have been brought near to God through Christ's blood. Ephesians 2 and 13. I have peace, Ephesians 2 and 14. I have access to the Father, Ephesians 2, 18. I'm a member of God's household, Ephesians 2, 19. I am secure, Ephesians 2 and 20. There's many other scriptures that we could add, and we'll expand the list and send it out to you uh, this week, but you need to know who you are in Christ. You need to find yourself dwelling in the heavenly realm 
and the truth that God says about you, what the enemy wants to speak over you is lies. The Bible says he has been a liar from the beginning. He's been a liar from the beginning. What did he do when he came to Adam and Eve? They walked with God in the garden. They had fellowship with God in the garden, and the enemy slithers in, and he deceives them into thinking something else. He lies to them, and they begin believing the lie and act on the lie. What you and I must do is stop acting on the lie and believe the truth of God that is spoken over us. This is why, again, our time in worship and in prayer and in the Word is so important for us because it helps us in that process of renewing our mind and finding ourselves in that heavenly place where the truth of God is spoken over us. And this is how we begin to walk in freedom in Christ. There are some besetting sins. I understand that. Some struggles, some habits. And we're going to talk about those. We're going to talk about freedom from those. But we first have to find ourselves living in that heavenly place. And like you and I, we want to believe for our salvation. We profess Christ. We want to believe that I'm not going to hell. I'm going to believe that. I'm going to, I'm going to believe that part of the Bible. But we also have to believe the part of the Bible that says, I am delivered and I am set free and I am brought near to God through the blood of Christ, that I have access to the Father, that I'm a member of God's household. We have to believe that just as assuredly find our freedom in Christ. Lord Jesus, we thank you for the work which you have done here today, O oh God. Lord, I do pray that there has been deliverance, Lord God. I do pray that there has been freedom. You came to set the captives free. You came to set the captives free, Lord Jesus. Help us to live in those heavenly places, God. And I pray, Lord Jesus, that as we walk together over these next few days and weeks, Lord Jesus, that you would continue to teach us of the power of God at work in your children, Lord. This this is the, be the beginning, the, the beginning rumblings of revival as you cleansing your church, oh God. Uh, you, you helping your church to be set uh, their eyes, their focus, their intent upon the heavenly realm. Sometimes it's, it, it's painful. Uh, uh, we, we, we are sad over things in the past. Sometimes it's painful to, to get some roots that have had some time to, to, to dig in deep. Sometimes it's painful to pull those out, Lord Jesus, but you're, you're doing it in this moment because you are bringing us to the place of true and lasting revival, both in our life and in our city and beyond, oh Lord, we pray. And so God, we see what you're doing. And God, I do believe that it is a movement toward revival because it's not just happening here. It's happening in other churches around. When I, when I hear, Lord, even, even, even people who I haven't had contact with for a long time, but may, I went to, went to high school with a guy and he contacted Contacts me and he says, he says, he says, I'm preaching a sermon. Can you help me? And I, he said, I'm, I'm hungry for God. And I'm hungry for the lost. And I think God, you're doing it everywhere. It tells us that you're stirring, Lord Jesus. And so God, help us to be mindful of that. So God, we thank you today for your graciousness and mercy upon our lives. And we pray, Lord, that you continue to move in the hearts of your people. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen.
Lord bless you as you go in the grace and peace of the Lord Jesus Thank Christ. you for being a part of Riverstone Church. I hope today's message encouraged you to take a step closer to Christ. If there is anything we can pray for or talk with you about, please visit our website at riverstonechurch.net. May the Lord bless you this week and may you walk in all of His promises and plans for your life.